Hello and welcome to Endurance Minded, the podcast that looks at the psychological and emotional components of endurance sports and how they impact performance. As always, I'm your host, Taylor Thomas, founder and coach at TEC, and uh, coming to you today with another mini-sode. I want to talk about something that I've been doing some research on. Um, I'm uh, I'm always uh, uh, try to be a, a student of endurance sports uh, and of the psychology around endurance sports, the science, the physiological, the psychological, and given all the things that have been going on this season, um, been uh, been constantly working to um, to look into ways to to help our athletes, to make our uh, make our team better. Um, and one of the things that I've been looking at for for a while is this um, this concept known as uh, the over-justification effect. Um, and so I want to talk a little bit about that today uh, in this mini-sode format because um, I've, I've been thinking a lot about how to apply this to endurance sports, to athletic identity, to motivation. Uh, a lot of these topics, there's a lot of crossover in um, the things that we have talked about before um, in previous episodes of the podcast. So um, it's something that I've been interested in, and I thought that it would make uh, a really great topic for for this uh, for this episode, and, uh, and and something that I'd like to expand on in hopes that it helps uh, folks that are that are listening to the show. So I'll dive in. Um, it might be helpful to start by um, defining what the over justification effect is, and and what it is very simply is it occurs when uh, an expected external uh, incentive, uh, so something like money, awards, prizes, uh, a claim from our peers, um, so something that doesn't come from from us internally. Um, when uh, when something like that impacts or decreases someone's intrinsic motivation to perform. So here's this this extrinsic intrinsic um, kind of dichotomy. Uh, showing up again, and and this is a this is an area that that I've spent a fair amount of time uh, talking about uh, on the podcast. It comes up in interviews we've had with our guests, um, and it's it's because it's super important. And and I think what I'm realizing more and more is that this season in particular has brought out <clears throat> why and how defining these motivators. Um, is important for each individual athlete. Um, so specific to the over justification effect, you know, when I started to to research this, uh, I came across it uh, originally in some uh, sports psychology uh, scientific journals uh, and some other research I was doing. But when I started to see this come up, um, it immediately cued me to 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 kind of ask the question. You know, or think, you know, hey, this this sounds familiar in relation to this uh, this past season, in relation to 2020, um, and you know what it caused me to think about is is that when races, you know, the, or the fact that races and events um, have have gone away or, or or got canceled and have largely been altered through the course of uh, this entire year, that we saw lots and lots of athletes, lots of people, um, kind of suddenly no longer 
want to be athletes or no longer identify um, as athletes or really struggle to carve out their athletic identity in a in a place or in a in a world uh, an atmosphere that didn't um, have our traditional extrinsic motivators. So again, I just I, I was reading about the overjustification effect, and it immediately just kind of got me thinking about what I've seen and the conversations I've had with athletes this year, and and a lot of the things we talk about uh, in our coaching team, and. So what it what it ultimately kind of took me down the path of is you know what what does it mean how is it what they've learned in relation to the overjustification effect how can that be applied to to us um as athletes and then the real question is and this is um you know certainly a nuanced question and um maybe um uh, it's a little bit kind of uh, out there, and, and I don't want it to to um, to sound like come across this fact. But what it cued me to to think, or the first thing that came to mind was: Have we done ourselves a disservice in how we prioritize our external motivators? Meaning that in racing, in prioritizing our goals in building our training in looking at data in uh you know tracking all of our rides and runs and swims and all the things that we do that are ultimately externally facing um is has that approach detracted from our ability to be um uh internally or or uh uh, intrinsically motivated, and again, what when we see this overjustification effect, it really, um, it really kind of plays on this notion that we we need to have both, and if we allow the external to trump the the intrinsic motivators, that it we can get ourselves in in trouble. And I'll define kind of what that can look like, and and some of these more kind of clinical or scientific components. But that's kind of the question that, that came to mind. I, I just thought it was worth, or I think it's worth thinking about and, and exploring. And I'm not saying that there's an answer or that I have an answer, but certainly given our uh, our past year and the challenges that we've had as athletes, um, I it, it always, I think there's opportunity when we face challenges or, or that challenges can provide opportunities for us to reorganize the way that we've classically structured or thought about things. And, and I think, um, because I've, you know, I've given this, um, a fair amount of, uh, uh, attention and time, uh, through, through this podcast and through articles and, and other, other areas, I think it's a, a something that, that deserves, uh, some critical thought and attention. So, I getting back to the question, you know, how have we have we uh, allowed the intrinsic to to kind of slip away or become less balanced as we've been presented with more opportunities for extrinsic motivation? So races, events, uh, Strava, our cycling computers, our watches on our wrists, our um, you know social media posts about the things that we've done. These are all great, but have they? Have they kind of outpaced or overrun 
these very, very important uh, intrinsic motivators. So the question that really is begged to be answered is, is how do we balance these two things? It's not, it's not bad to be uh, extrinsically motivated. Uh, it's not bad to be competitive. Um, these are good things. Um, they're, they're primary drivers for, for most athletes and, and for most people. The, the over-justification effect it has been um, largely studied in the realm of education. Um, so um, classically studied where students are rewarded for completing tasks. So, so this kind of struggle or dichotomy or bipolarization um, of extrinsic versus intrinsic and kind of the tug of war there uh, exists in, in kind of the, the human condition. But as athletes, we identify or we kind of manifest um, in ways that, that uh, impact performance or our athletic identity um, is, uh, is the lens through which we see, um, uh, see ourselves and see the world. So I want to talk about it through, through that lens, although uh, it's worth mentioning that this, uh, this over-justification effect is a broad application. It's been studied in lots of different places, the workplace, um, uh, education, uh, sports, obviously, um, and, uh, and so on and so on. So, um, so how do we bring the extrinsic and the intrinsic into balance? And so I want to start with, um, uh, kind of, uh, a little bit of the science side of things. So, um, the association for applied sports psychology, uh, is, is kind of one of the areas that I've been diving into, uh, specific to, to this, uh, this over justification effect. And, um, they, um, it's worth defining what intrinsic and extrinsic motivations are. And I, and I want to, as I, as I define these things, um, I want to challenge you to think about, um, behaviors, thoughts, um, ways that you feel you might be exhibiting these different things and just kind of keep that in the back of your mind um, as we uh, as I expand on this this concept a little bit. So intrinsic motivation broken down fairly simply um, is uh, and specific to to athletes or through the lens of, of athletes um, are folks that participate in sport uh, for, uh, pure enjoyment and satisfaction. Um, they like to focus on skills improvement and growth. Um, they derive pleasure and joy from um, from the execution of of training. Uh, they like to see growth um, through again skills development, seeing small incremental gains. Um, gives them joy and satisfies their athletic identity. Um, and then on the other side is extrinsic motivation. So athletes that are extrinsically motivated um, would be athletes that derive motivation from social sources. So um, as young athletes, uh, as, as many of us were, this could be from, uh, from our parents uh, from our, uh, from our family. 
Um, of course, as we get older, uh, it's from our peer group. Uh, it's from our coaches. Um, and so there's, there's, again, these are external, right? These are things that are uh, outside of the athlete. So uh, deriving motivation from social, social sources, material rewards, um, so things like money, things like a podium finish, uh, a trophy, a medal, um, whatever it is, some sort of material thing that's, that's, that's becomes a fixation. Um, and then they focus on competitive or performance outcomes. Um, so, so they're looking to a race scenario or a particular performance, be that in a race or a workout or uh, a, a peak um, metric. Those are the primary drivers for athletes that are intrinsically, uh, or I'm sorry, extrinsically motivated. So you can already see in this language, and this is the language that's used. Um, I've, uh, I've I've kind of taken liberties with um, with how it's worded, but ultimately these are this is the language uh, in the tone that's used by the Association for Applied, uh, Applied Sports Psychology. And you can see that there's already a, a big difference there between these uh, intrinsic and extrinsic um, athletes, right? In, uh, intrinsic is uh, enjoyment, satisfaction, skill development, growth. Um, these are all very long-term, very sustainable um, uh, measurements or markers for, for progress and development. Um, extrinsic languages... Um, is you know material rewards, competition, performance, outcome based. These are all very final. These are all very um, um, you know more definite uh, things that we can define, and they're either successful or they're not. So these things are also set up by design to elicit this kind of good bad response. So did you did you do the thing uh, or did you fail at the thing? Um, and that, that kind of, you know, uh, uh, dichotomy sets folks up oftentimes, if not balanced correctly with these, these other kind of more softer long-term skills sets athletes up, uh, for failure. So what, um, what it really comes down to, and and so the most interesting thing and the reason that I have have uh, been diving into the overjustification effect is that what it says is that it, or what it tells us um, about ourselves, specifically about ourselves as athletes and performance, is that it really comes down to behaviors. Um, it it doesn't have anything to do with the the outcome um the things that control our intrinsic and extrinsic motivation motivators uh, and and how we strike that balance for ourselves are our own personal behaviors and those things are adaptable we can change those things um or we can work to find that balance and shift those behaviors in ways that are um set ourselves up for positive Outcomes. So, I want to next. So, to layer on, we've identified what uh, what um, extrinsic and uh, and intrinsic 
um, athletes kind of value. Um, next, I'd like to identify what behaviors are associated with each, because again, that's really where we're going to see the opportunity for for change. Um, intrinsic. Um, so again, that's internally motivated behaviors are um, things like fewer swings in motivation. So more stable motivation across um, from season to season, uh, less distractions. Um, so they so they remain motivated and they remain focused more easily um, because they're not distracted by these external uh, things. Uh, less stress around mistakes. So again, I said with the external or the extrinsic motivators, those things are all kind of black and white, right? Yes or no. Um, did I did I reach the desired outcome or didn't I? Did I reach the peak performance or didn't I? That can elicit a lot of stress um, if the feeling is that that was a mistake or that was a failure if you didn't live up to that desired outcome. So with an intrinsically motivated athlete, there's typically less stress around those kind of quote-unquote mistakes. Um, they tend to have more confidence and self-efficacy. Um, so again, it's a long-term sustainable approach. So that builds more confidence in, in an athlete's ability to execute to stay focused, to stay motivated. So it's kind of constantly reinforcing these good behaviors. Um, and they tend to have higher satisfaction in the pursuit of their, uh, of their discipline, of their sport, of their training. Um, so those are behaviors around intrinsic. Behaviors around extrinsic um, are things like feeling that you quote-unquote should do something so we see this happen a lot with athletes, right? There's a tremendous amount of pressure that we should work out, that we, uh, you know, should kind of burn the candle at both ends, execute at all cost. Um, now there's some value in that. Again, we're, we're it's about finding balance. So the goal is that not that we don't want to motivate, um, but there's typically a feeling of this kind of should do something. With that feeling comes anxiety. So we feel anxiety around execution. Uh, we feel anxiety around a training schedule. Um, again, these are behavioral um, characteristics associated with extrinsic. Um, typically, I have difficulty coping with failure. Again, back to that kind of black and white, yes or no. Um, you either do or you don't. Um, that failure can be very damning uh, for for an athlete that's that's uh, maybe leaning too far in the extrinsic side. Um, they might have um, little interest in achievement-based goals. So again, these things like um, like skills development, um, like um, you know, working to uh, improve long-term uh, success, satisfaction, growth. Um, these might be areas where they don't feel like those things are achievements. So again, it's, it's kind of all or nothing. You either win the race or you don't. You set a new FTP or you don't. Um, and, we, and the list could go on and on. Um, so again, these are, these are behaviors. So we can see building on these, uh, what extrinsic and intrinsic motivations 
are, what behaviors are associated with these things, we can really start to see, or the hope is that you can start to see how these things are, um, we can change these things. Behaviors can be altered. So if we feel like, um, you know, and the odds are that each athlete has some some of each of these things, but if the balance is, is too far kind of out of whack, um, that's where we might need to shift or work to change some of these behaviors. And again, it's become very apparent this year um, when things haven't gone as uh, as they typically have. And I think that there, like I said, there's an opportunity to turn a critical eye towards the weight and pressure and importance that we put on these uh, these extrinsic motivators, given what we can see now as um, the fact that they may have been um, a, a negative or, or not as positive of a motivator as we thought they were. Because when they go away, so did our athletic identity, so did our drive, so did our, so did our motivation. That's the real um, kind of core that we want to, to get at. Um, so the reason that I want to highlight these things is because, again, they're behaviors. And the important thing to remember about behaviors is, uh, is that we can control them. Um, so these are not races, right? These are not outcome-based goals that we have no control over. Um, so if we have identified these, um, these, uh, behaviors that aren't, uh, serving, servicing us well in relation to our long-term goals, um, both as an individual or an athlete. I mean, I think that's the other thing to, to, to keep in mind is, you know, I'm talking about this through an athletic lens because that's what I do for a living. And, you know, that's what this podcast is about. But, um, but these are applicable across the board. Um, and there's, there's opportunity for, for change, for improvement, for self-development, um, through the lens of any part of, of your life. Um, so, so another thing about behaviors is they're, they're not rooted in performance, right? So they don't have anything to do with, with your workout or your peak performance race, like I said. Um, they don't have anything to do with a race calendar. Um, so e- even when, if, when races get back online, whatever that ends up looking like, <clears throat> these are things that can be addressed at any time. So it doesn't, they don't have to be addressed, you know, in the eight weeks leading up to a race. Um, they don't have to be addressed in the quote unquote off season. Um, they can be addressed kind of constantly and consistently and working towards self-development. Um, and I think that's, that's really great because so often with training, we, we, we revolve around some, something, you know, there's some goal, there's some, uh, you know, 12 week period where we're searching for peak performance or some, and that's great. That's an important construct of, of, you know, physiology, uh, physiology and adaptation. Um, but the great thing about these behavioral components is that we can work on them anytime and they're going to make us better. And if we are for critical, um, it, it kind of self-evaluation, we can look to see how that balance is or isn't appropriate for us. Um, and then lastly, the, 
the, the, the great thing about behaviors is that they, they're independent of periodization. So like I said, they don't, they don't happen or they don't need to revolve around how your training is set up. So this is a component where you can work on um, uh, making yourself um, more resilient, um, more stable, more motivated, um, more satisfied in your training, uh, no matter what's going on in relation to your performance-based goals. Um, And that's a really, again, I think that's a really, really important takeaway is that these things are areas that we can work on no matter what else we're doing with our training, no matter if our, you know, training load is high, if it's low, if we're searching for a particular um, metric-based goal, um, these are things we can always come back to and they're going to equal greater long-term success. You know, these are the things that we can chase that are going to keep us um, excited and motivated and involved in our sport for many, many, many seasons to come, no matter what kind of revolves around us, no matter what happens with with races or events or, you know, or, or our fitness or injury or any of these things. These are kind of the cornerstones. Um, and again, it's because they're behaviors. They're not... Um, they're, they're not physiological. Um, and we so often put all of our eggs in the physiological basket when it comes to being athletes, when it comes to training. Um, and of course that's important, right? Fitness is, is physiological, but so often the barriers to our fitness, the barriers to our success don't have anything to do with the physiology. Um, they're rooted in these behaviors. And that's why I really kind of dove into this overjustification effect because it, it is so uh, it hits home so closely in the work that that I do with with athletes. Um, so we can um, use extrinsic motivators to strengthen intrinsic. So, like I said, it's not all or nothing. The goal is not to be solely uh, intrinsically motivated, and certainly the goal is to to probably be somewhat less extrinsically motivated to bring that back and. Excuse me. To bring that back into balance, um, so athletes. So the way that we can do that, or or something to think about, um, as we try to balance in a way that's appropriate for for each individual, is that athletes who feel that they're in control of their behaviors. So again, not performance but behaviors, athletes who feel that they're in control of their behaviors are more likely to enjoy the benefits of their own actions and skills. So I want to say that or kind of break that down. So that means if you feel like you're, you've been actively working on your behaviors, um, again, these things that can change, um, you're more likely to enjoy the benefits of the extrinsic motivators if and when they come um, because you feel like you've taken a proactive role in in getting yourself there, right? So you're not just standing back or, or putting in the training, putting in the time, focus, energy, and then waiting for that outcome-based or performance-based goal to deliver your motivation to you, you've been taking proactive steps along and along, 
And when you arrive at that extrinsic motivator or that opportunity for extrinsic motivation, you're more likely to uh, get more satisfaction out of that thing because you've been motivated along and along. Um, so that's things like, you know, um, on race day, during hard workouts, a, a field test like an FTP test or a time trial, um, um, you know, a particular uh, workout. If you're, if you're balanced and rooted in those behaviors, you're going to get more satisfaction from from those performance-based opportunities. But again, it has to be in balance. Um, so uh, I encourage you to, to take an opportunity or, or take, you know, while you're listening to this and then, and then reflect on it afterwards, think about where you feel like your motivation's coming from, um, the intrinsic and the extrinsic. Think about we identified some of the behaviors associated with each of those things. Think about generally how those, uh, those definitions of behaviors align with how you operate, um, you know, again, in life or as an athlete or both. Um, and then think about how you can uh, work to improve those behaviors to bring things more in line. And again, the end goal is that the extrinsic motivators, those performance opportunities, will be balanced in such a way where when they happen, they add value to your experience as an athlete because you've been balanced the whole time. You've, you've been motivated. Uh, you've found joy and satisfaction and skills development and growth and the kind of quote-unquote small wins um, that when you get to that opportunity for an extrinsic motivation, motivation, whether that's a podium, whether that's a race day performance, a big workout, that'll be just kind of icing on the cake. It's a high point in an already well-balanced, kind of uh, appropriately motivated uh, pursuit as an athlete. So um, take the time to, uh, to think that through. Uh, I hope that this was helpful. Um, Again, I wanted to, I thought that kind of my research and some of the areas that I've been putting some of my mental energy um, would be helpful in uh, expanding on in hopes that it can help uh, everyone uh, that listens to the show. Um, thanks as always for tuning in. Uh, ThomasEndurancecoaching.com for, um, for anything that we talk about on the show. Um, we did just launch nutrition services, which I'm uh, extremely excited about. We have a, uh, now have a registered dietitian nutritionist on, on the team. We're offering um, uh, individualized nutrition consultations, um, uh, and we're uh, really, really excited uh, to have uh, Christine Zimmerman as the, uh, as the dietitian. She is fantastic. Um, and so check out Thomas Endurance Coaching com for more information on that if you're interested in learning more about your relationship with food how to maximize performance uh, metabolic efficiency uh, hydration nutrition strategies uh, pre during and post uh, exercise we we kind of uh, have have all the bases covered there um, whether you identify as an athlete or not uh, it's a service that's worth taking advantage of so thanks for tuning in um, I'll see you next time.